Amen. Well, happy Hanukkah. We're about halfway through Hanukkah now, but there's still more Hanukkah to come. Uh, the message this morning is, is sort of strange because it is a first fruits of Tevet message, but it's also a Hanukkah message. And when I was finished, I looked and I thought, well, it's also a Christmas message. So it just has everything all mixed together. I was trying to think of a title for it, and uh, one that came to mind was The Adventures of Samson and the Three Wise Men. And I thought, well, that would get people's attention, but it wasn't quite right. But uh, so instead of that, what I'm calling the message is this, the Hebrew month of Tevet after Hanukkah responding to God's light. Amen. So welcome to our first fruit celebration for the Hebrew month of Tevet. Now, if you're not familiar with the Hebrew months, to the Jews, every month was a new prophetic season. And so at the start of every month, they would hold a special celebration to worship God, to bring a first fruits offering, and to hear what God was saying prophetically about the month ahead. Because they knew if they stayed in step with God, they could prosper in every season. And see, that's what we're doing this morning. We're here, we're worshiping, we brought offering. And we want to hear what God says about this month. And we're just entering the month of Tevet. Everybody say Tevet. Say happy Tevet. Now Tevet is the 10th month of the Hebrew year. It's associated with the Hebrew letter Ayin, which looks like this. Now the letter Ayin was originally a picture of an eye. As a matter of fact, ayin is the Hebrew word for I. So this is a month to see. It's a month God wants you to see your path clearly and make sure you are on track to fulfill your destiny. Now, Tevet always begins during the eight days of the Feast of Hanukkah. Hanukkah reminds us that God wants to restore his temple so his glory can dwell in our midst And in the New Testament, we learn we are now his temple. Hanukkah also reminds us that God is a God of miracles. And that his light always overcomes the darkness. And so Tevet begins with a reminder of God's faithfulness to his people. God wants you to begin the month of Tevet right there in the middle of Hanukkah, full of faith and celebrating the goodness of God. And that's important because Tevet is a crucial month to press forward with boldness into your destiny. Now to understand Tevet, it's it's good to remember what Hanukkah is about. Hanukkah was an outpouring of God's mercy on his people. It was a time when he showered his people with blessings, all kinds of blessings. The blessings of protection. Because Satan had tried to destroy the Jewish people, but God raised up a triumphant reserve and gave supernatural victory. There was the blessing of restoration. Judah Maccabee restored the temple, repairing it and cleansing it. There was the blessing of miracles. When Judah chose to honor God and restore the temple, God showed up and miracles were released. 
And so Hanukkah is a celebration of God's miracles. And there's the blessing of light, of revelation from God. John 1 says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. And Hanukkah is a time to celebrate God's light. So God wants us to come out of Hanukkah filled with faith. At Hanukkah, we celebrate God's miracles. We experience his mercy. We receive his light. But coming out of Hanukkah, the question is, how do we respond? See, receiving demands a response. Let me say that again. Receiving demands a response. And the month of Tevet reminds us of the danger of not receiving and responding to the light. Tevet is a month associated with the tribe of Dan. Now, the story of the tribe of Dan is really a great tragedy. Dan was blessed and shown great light, but Dan chose to walk a path of darkness. Dan was given great mercy, but he never responded to God in worship. And that's significant. You know, all the tribes of Israel messed up in many ways, but Dan is the only tribe that completely missed its destiny. See, when you receive the mercies of God in your life, you have a choice. You can receive God's gifts, but choose to live for yourself. Or you can respond to God's mercy by giving yourself to God. And see, that is the choice of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, because of the mercies God has shown you, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. So when you fail to respond in worship by giving yourself to God, you can miss the blessing God intended you to have. And that really is the warning that we get from the tribe of Dan. So since this is a month associated with the tribe of Dan, let's look briefly at that tribe. You know, Dan was the fifth son of Jacob, the first son of Rachel by her maid Bilhah. His name means to rule to judge, to vindicate, or to execute judgment. Now, Dan had incredible prophecies spoken over him. Jacob said he would rule or judge in the midst of the tribes. Said he would be like a snake in the path that would cause an attacker riding a horse to fall back. Moses said, Dan is a lion's whelp, a lion's offspring, a strong young lion. Moses also said that Dan would leap forth from Bashan. Now, Bashan was a place known for its idolatry. And he's saying there, Dan would be tempted to idolatry, but part of his redemptive call was to leap away from it. Now, unfortunately, as we'll see in a minute, Dan failed to do that. See, it is possible to miss your call. Now, Dan had a lot going for him. Like all the tribes of Israel, Dan had the Torah. He had revelation from the true God. Dan had the words of the prophets. But Dan also was blessed in other ways. He was blessed with great artistic anointing. 
The tribe of Dan could engrave and create designs in all kinds of metal and wood and stone. They were also weavers and designers with all kinds of fabrics. Aholiab, who helped create the furnishings of the tabernacle, was from the tribe of Dan. When Solomon built the temple, a man from Dan was chosen to help direct the work. And he was skilled in working with metals and stone and wood and fabrics. The tribe was also clever with words. Samson, who was from Dan, loved to make up poems and riddles. Dan was also blessed with great strength. You know, Dan was one of the largest tribes. Moses' blessing over him was that he was a lion's whelp. You know, Judah was a lion, but Dan was a young lion. In the land, Dan's allotment was near Joppa and included much of the Philistine territory. Now, the Philistines were a fearsome enemy, but God knew that Dan had the strength to drive that enemy out. Jacob's blessing was that Dan would be a snake in the path that would cause an attacker riding a horse to fall back. We can see that in how God positioned Dan. When the tribes were marching through the wilderness, Dan marched and the last group of tribes forming the rear guard. So when enemies would attack from the rear, Dan was part of Israel's line of defense. Any attacker coming after Israel would face Dan like a serpent on their path. And so Dan was a large and a powerful tribe. It had great prophetic words spoken over it by Jacob and by Moses. And yet Dan failed to achieve its destiny. In the book of Revelation, when 12,000 from each tribe are being sealed, all the other tribes are there. But Dan is not listed. You know, all the tribes sinned. They were all sent into exile. But in the book of Revelation, all the other tribes have been restored. But not Dan. Dan is missing. So what happened? to the tribe of Dan. Well, Dan's issues, I think, are exemplified in Samson, who is the most famous member of the tribe of Dan. If you understand Samson, you'll know what Dan's issue was. And the story of Samson is one of the saddest in all the Bible. Jacob's blessing to Dan was that he would rule or judge in the midst of the tribes, and that prophecy was partially fulfilled in Samson. Samson was one of the rulers that God raised up during the time of the judges. You know, during the time of the judges, Israel got caught in a vicious cycle of sin and death. They got into the land, they experienced God's blessing, but their heart turned away from God and they fell into sin. As the judgment for their sin, God let their enemies rise up against them. But when they got miserable enough being tormented by their enemies, they turned back to God and they repented. And when they repented, God would raise up a judge or a deliverer who would lead them against the enemy and bring them back out into freedom. But as soon as that judge died and they were on their own again, they went right back into sin. And it became a cycle. In the book of Judges, they go through that cycle seven times, and they're going lower and lower and lower each time. Now, God raised up many judges during that time to deliver his people. Deborah, Barak, Ehud, 
Gideon. But the last of the judges was Samson. And he was the great warrior hero of the Old Testament. Like several other leaders in the Bible, Samson's birth had a miraculous component. Like Isaac, Samuel, and John the Baptist, his mother had been barren. She was praying to God for children, and an angel appeared to her to let her know that God had answered her prayers. In Judges 13, it says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared and said to her, You are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. And then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson, and the Lord blessed him. But the angel had given her a special instruction. The angel said, you must never cut his hair because from the day of his birth, he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite. He will begin the work of rescuing Israel from the Philistines. Now, a Nazarite like Samuel or John the Baptist was someone who was called to a special task and consecrated totally to God. And as a sign of their separation, they were not allowed to cut their hair or to drink alcohol or to come into contact with a dead body. Now, Samson, Samson's call would be, was to be one of the Giborim. That's a Hebrew word. It means a warrior hero. Giborim were known for their strength and their courage. They were willing to stand up against the enemy. They were anxious to do exploits. And, you know, that's what God calls all of us to be. God wants to raise up in this day a band of spiritual gibberim. He wants warrior heroes in the spiritual realm. Those who will do exploits for God and see territories changed. So Samson's call was to begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. Through his Nazarite vow, he received supernatural strength to accomplish the task. Now, the Philistines were perpetual enemies of Israel. They lived in what we now call the Gaza Strip. As a matter of fact, Gaza was one of the Philistine capital cities. And Samson's call was to defeat them. But see, Samson had a weakness. Somebody said, Samson is a man who was renowned for his strength, but ruined by his weakness. His weakness was that he could not control his passions. He did what felt good instead of what he knew was right. And even though he was called to defeat the Philistines, he was attracted to Philistine women. He married a Philistine woman. He visited Philistine prostitutes. He had an ongoing affair with a Philistine woman named Delilah. And see, Samson's root problem was he was greatly blessed by God, but he did not have a heart for God. God had shown him great mercy, but Samson never responded by giving himself to God. You know, in 20 years of leading Israel, it was only recorded that Samson prayed twice. In the account of his life, you don't see him praising God. You don't see him worshiping. You don't see him giving thanksgiving. He never seeks direction from God. He violates his Nazarite vow to eat honey out of the dead body of a lion. He visits prostitutes. He was always rash, independent, self-seeking, totally controlled by his passions and lusts. And yet, 
He was incredibly gifted by God. And see, that is something a lot of people do not understand about God's gifts. See, gifts are given by grace. They work even when you're not walking with God. If you're gifted by God, that gift will operate whether you're walking with God or not. And Samson had an incredible gift, but his life was a mess. And that's always a danger. You know, the man who launched the Jesus movement was a man named Lonnie Frisbee. He had the most incredible evangelistic and revival gifting. He had a gift to birth revival in a generation. But when he was at a conference and the other conference leaders were gathered together in prayer, seeking the Lord, calling out to the Lord, they would say Lonnie would be up in his hotel room watching cartoons. But then he'd walk into the meeting and say, come Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God would fall and revival would be released. He, didn't, he wasn't seeking God, but he had to give from God. But see, there's a danger if you do not seek the Lord. And Lonnie Frisbee fell into sin and died of AIDS. And see, that's very much a picture of Samson. Because Samson lived to satisfy his passions, he jeopardized his call from God to have an affair with a Philistine woman named Delilah. And learning of her relationship with Samson, the Philistine leaders went to her and bribed her to find out the secret of Samson's strength. And Delilah repeatedly nagged him to tell her the secret of the strength. And after toying with her for a while, he finally gave in and revealed the secret. Delilah immediately told the Philistines, and while Samson was sleeping, they came and they cut off his hair. And with the vow broken, Samson lost his supernatural strength. And the Philistines captured him, they blinded him, they bound him in chains and put him to work like an animal grinding grain. And then they brought him to one of their pagan temples at one of their feasts so they could jeer at him. And in one last act of desperation, Samson prayed that God would give him strength one more time. Placing his hands on the supporting pillars, he literally brought the house down. And he killed a lot of Philistines, but he did not fulfill his call. And see, that's a picture of the whole tribe of Dan. God had showered them with mercy. There were great prophetic words over them. They were greatly blessed. It was a large tribe with great abilities, but in the end, they missed it. What did they do wrong? Well, several things led to their downfall. First, they did not respond to God in faith and obedience for all of God's blessings. They refused to stand in the place God had given them. God gave them land north and west of Judah. The land was occupied by the Philistines, but God knew that Dan had the strength to take that strategic location. But Dan refused to do that. So Dan sent out spies and found a place far in the north. They said it's a rich land and undefended. That's an easy place to take. You know, sometimes God asks you to stand in a hard place. And if you stand there, you will always have grace. 
But if you refuse to stand against the enemy, it opens the door to problems. See, the people of Dan were called to overcome, but they said, let's find an easier way. Dan never wanted to confront the enemy. In Judges chapter 1, it says the Amorites forced Dan up into the hills. In Judges 5, when Deborah and Barak went to war, Dan refused to come and join them. You know, Samson was Dan's warrior hero, but no one from Dan would ever stand with him. Samson always fought alone. And the result was they failed to conquer the portion of the land that was given to them for their inheritance. And so they chose a new location because they thought it looked easy. Like Samson, they were ruled by their emotions. Now, as the tribe of Dan was migrating to the north, an interesting incident happened. Judges 17 tells us that a man named Micah, who lived in Ephraim, made himself a silver idol and a carved image. And then he set up a shrine and he hired a young Levite from Bethlehem to be his priest. Now, as Dan was traveling to the north, they came upon Micah's house. And they discovered that he had his own idol and his own priest. And so Dan decided to steal them. And when Micah discovered what had, ha had happened, he and his neighbors set off in pursuit. And they caught up to the men of Dan and demanded his idol back. But the men of Dan threatened to kill him. So he gave up the pursuit and returned home empty-handed. The people of Dan finally reached their destination, the peaceful city of Laish. They attacked the city, burning it to the ground. They killed its people, and then they rebuilt the city and named it Dan. And they set up the stolen idol in the city and established the city of Dan as a place of false worship. And so Dan fell into idolatry. The tribe of Dan continued to worship idols throughout their history. When Jeroboam led the northern tribes in rebellion, he set up a golden calf in Dan. And Dan became a center of idol worship in the kingdom of Israel. Dan went so far from God that the prophet Amos included Dan in a denouncement of pagan worshipers. He prophesied that Dan would fall and never rise again. See, like Samson, Dan had no heart for God. Many from the other northern tribes would still go down to the temple in Jerusalem to worship the true God, but Dan would not. At Hezekiah's Passover celebration in 2 Chronicles 30, Hezekiah invited the Israelites from Dan to Beersheba to come. And the messengers went out to every city and announced, people of Israel, return to the Lord and he will return to you. So what was Dan's response to the messengers? It says, they laughed them to scorn and mocked them. The tribe of Dan had received from the Lord, but refused to respond. And finally, in 722 B.C., the northern tribes of Israel were carried off by the Assyrians into captivity, and Dan became a lost tribe. Dan is the only truly lost tribe of, of Israel. All the other tribes, the remnant remained, but not Dan. 
And Revelation 7 says all the other tribes will one day be restored and serve the Messiah. But the tribe of Dan is not included. Because they would not stand against the enemy and because they received God's light but would not respond with a heart of worship, the tribe of Dan missed their destiny. Now, if Tevin is the month of Dan, what does that tell us? Well, first, there are some positive things. Dan was the rear guard tribe. He had the strength to stand against the enemy. So this month, ask God to form a rear guard in your life over the events of the past year. Dan was the most artistic tribe. His skills were used in the tabernacle and in the temple. So pray for new artistic and creative expressions in worship this month. But this is also a month to avoid the sneer of Samson. Like Dan, Samson was controlled by his emotions. This is a month to be sure that your emotions are submitted to God. Obey God and don't be controlled by your feelings. It's a month to give your life totally to the Lord. Reject idolatry. Seek God with all your heart. You know, Jeremiah 29 says, if you will seek, you will seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Pay attention to the prophetic words over your life this month so you don't miss your destiny. Be willing to war when God calls you to war. Stand for your inheritance and do not back down. And see, like the entire tribe of Dan, Samson refused to respond to the light God had given him. He received, but he did not respond. And the result was his path grew darker and darker until he was destroyed. And let me tell you, that is not what God wants for you. Now, coming out of Hanukkah, the Feast of Lights, God wants you to remember the light. <clears throat> he wants you to remember the mercies that God has shown you. And then he wants you to respond. What response is God looking for? Well, that's Romans 12, 1 again. I urge you, brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, to offer your bodies, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Now, there's an account we usually read during the month of Tevet that gives an example of some people who did respond in an incredible way to God's light. And it's the story of the wise men. We find the story in Matthew chapter 2. See, the wise men and the star is one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story. We see them pictured on Christmas cards all the time. It's part of every nativity scene. You see the shepherds on one side and the wise men on the other. Well, even though the wise men probably arrived more than a year later, Jesus was probably about one year old when they got there. He was no longer a baby in the manger. But it still looks nice in the nativity scene. Now, what you need to know about the wise men was this. The wise men were not God-fearing Jews. They were pagans. They were magi. That was professional magicians who practiced the occult. They were masters of astrology and divination in the royal courts of Persia and Babylon. In other words, these were not good folks. 
Most of us wouldn't let someone like that into our house. But God had a call and a destiny for these men that went far beyond their present position. See, these wise men had been given light from God. They had somehow received revelation about the Messiah. I believe a knowledge about the true God had been passed down through the ranks of the Magi from the days of the prophet Daniel. Daniel was recognized as one of the wise men of Babylon. And I believe from Daniel they knew that a Messiah, a king of the Jews was coming. They probably didn't understand all, all that that meant, but they eagerly awaited news of his arrival. And in spite of who they were, God was calling these men to himself. God even gave them a sign in the sky. It was a revelation from God in the form of a star. It was God's mercy. They also received revelation from Scripture. They, were, they didn't know where they would find the Messiah, so they inquired in Jerusalem. And they learned from a prophecy of Micah that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. God gave them many kinds of revelation. They received prophetic dreams. God warned them later in a dream of Herod's evil plan and, they, and told them to return home by a different route. Over and over again, they received light from God and they responded to God's mercies. From the time they saw the star, they made their plans. They gathered extravagant gifts they packed provisions for what would have been a long and a dangerous journey. They left their high positions in the royal courts of Persia and committed themselves to finding and honoring the Messiah of Israel. And when they finally found Jesus, it says they fell down and worshiped him. They presented their gifts to him. And it says their joy was made full. Why were they so joyful? Because when they found Jesus, I believe they got saved. They responded to the light God had given them, and the result was great blessing. And see, that's how God wants us to respond to his mercy. God calls you to present your life as a living sacrifice, not just give your life to him, live your life for him. Samson, the warrior hero of Israel, had an incredible call. He received clear prophetic direction for his life before he was even born. He 